By the grace of God, my wife and I had the privilege of training our leaders in North America. Around 500 of them, these are leaders. These are not D-group leaders. They are leaders of all our satellites in North America. God is working mightily in and through our people. But before I begin, I'd like you to read this verse because it has to do with Israel. I'm sure many of you are thinking, how should we respond? Everybody, please read this. Together. The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and he made man. But to save time, go to verse 2 now. Everybody please read. Behold, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. And when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. Everybody read. It will come about in that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. The Bible is very clear, very emphatic. Someday, what will cause the people of the world to be so concerned that it's going to be so problematic will not be America, it will not be Philippines, it will not be Japan, it will not be Korea, it will not be China, it will be Israel. And you are seeing slowly but surely the fulfillment of biblical prophecy regarding the second coming of Jesus. Therefore, what should we do? Number one, don't be surprised. This is part of the prophetic truth that's about to happen. Because God wants his people to know God is in control and he's coming soon. Number two, you need to understand, you need to pray for believers in Palestine. Palestinian Christians, pray for them. Jewish Christians, pray for them. But you have to understand, this is going to be a problem. I believe God is using this occasion now for Israel to do something dramatic. Because Israel is not, the fighting now is not about revenge. It's about protecting Israel from these things happening again. It's like your neighbor, they keep on doing these things to you for the last 40 years. What are you going to do about it? So this time, they've decided to do something drastic. It is not a revenge. It is to protect the nation of Israel from being wiped out. So what's your role? The Bible tells us pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So why don't we all pray? Father God in heaven, I thank you that you have called us to pray for the nation of Israel. Lord, you have chosen Jerusalem as your beloved city. You have chosen the Jewish people to reflect your glory. And you have chosen us to represent you. So it is now our collective prayer you bring peace. I do not know how, but we surrender everything to you. We pray for the Palestinian Christians who are also suffering. We pray for the Jewish Christians who are persecuted. 
And we pray for the Jewish people that their eyes will be open to realize you are the true Messiah. And that without you, there will be no real peace. So we commit to you this Sunday service. Those of us who are watching in the internet, those of us who are worshiping all over the Philippines, all over the world, may you speak to all of us. Will you help me also to deliver your message clearly? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. My friend, remember this quotation from Oswald J. Smith. We always talk about the second coming, but when half of the world has never even heard about the first coming. So be careful that you don't waste too much time all about prophecy, all about the second coming. The truth is this. Many people have not even heard about the first coming of Jesus. Many parts of the world, they don't even know who is Jesus. And that's why we are here, to share the gospel. Amen? Today we begin a new series. Last Sunday, Pastor Ricky talks about legitimate true worship. And I praise God, you are coming to worship God. Is it asking too much to ask your friends to be physically present to worship God together? Is God asking too much, yes or no? What do you think? To those of you who are present physically, I praise God for you. You be careful we don't judge those who are not coming. Because some of them, maybe they're still afraid of COVID. Or they've learned how to worship in the bed wearing pajamas. I don't want to judge anybody. But I pray, if you want to be spiritually healthy, one of the great disciplines you can share your disciples, your family, is one day a week. You take time. You worship physically together with other believers. Our new series today is what? It's something that I hope will bless you. It's, it has to do with make your life count. Everybody, let's read this together. Make your life count. From chapter 12 to chapter 16, the emphasis has changed. Paul is now going to focus on how do you really serve? How do you really make your life count? So, Chapter 12, the focus is on the Holy Spirit. Chapter 13, to make your life count, the focus is about love. Chapter 15 and 14 is a continuation about the Holy Spirit. And then chapter 15 is about the resurrection. Eternal perspective. So how do you make your life count? Well, let me share with you. Somebody shared this with me years ago. That person says, to teach your children how to count is good. Do you know how to count? How many of you know how to count? Let's sample. One, two, three, four, five. That's good. But this person shared with us what is even more important is to teach your children not just how to count, but what to count. What's the difference? Many times, you are counting things that are not really important. Money is good. But if you teach your children how just to count money, number of real estate properties, fine. But what is more important than money? What is more important than when you go to Facebook, likes, you know, people who like you, people who don't like you? I suggest teach your children what to count. And I want to share with you 
This will revolutionize your life. It's a change of perspective. What's the message today? Make your life come. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, make your life come. You know, I have this nice picture of a sand castle. How many of you have tried building something in the sun? Is this a nice sand castle? Yes or no? Yes. Some of us, that's exactly what you're doing with your life. You are building sand castle. What happens after 12 hours when the tide will come? Well, this is what's going to happen. When the tide will come, what will happen to your sand castle? It will be destroyed. It will disappear sooner or later. And many of us are spending our lives, our time building sand castles. You don't realize that in reality, whatever effort you are putting into will sooner or later disappear. That's why make your life count is very meaningful for all of us. Young people today, they want to make their life count. Do you know young people today, they're engaged in many activities, especially when it comes to, in their mind, making the world better. Example, climate change. Social engagement on justice. The idea of the walk, equity. All of these young people are passionate. They want to do something without realizing all of those things will not solve the problem of the world. The problem of the world is so basic. It has to do with the hearts of people. This world will not be better until the hearts of men are changed. And many of us don't even know how to engage young people today. My advice to all of us is make your life count. How do you make your life count? Remember, you need to learn something. So may I suggest, for today, you turn to your neighbor, you tell your neighbor, make your life count. Tell them. Make your life count. The question is, how do you do it? The Apostle Paul gives us three principles on how to make your life count. Today we will discuss the importance of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we will talk about love. To make your life count, you better understand what love is. And then the next chapter, you need to know your priorities. And then the next chapter has to do with eternal perspective. But today, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let us read. Everybody together. Now, Concerning spiritual gifts. Literally, in the original Bible, the word is simply spirituals. Regarding spirituals. Spiritual things. Because the Corinthians were very carnal. They were very fleshly. Lots of quarreling. It's all about themselves. And now Paul is saying, I want to switch your mind. Regarding spiritual things. Nothing wrong with the word gifts because the context has to do with spiritual gifts. Brethren, believers, I do not want you to be unaware. In other words, don't be ignorant because ignorant can be costly. Many today, many people today are ignorant of God's truth and they don't miss it because they are ignorant. The problem with ignorance, it can be costly 
and you don't even know it's going to cost you. So the Bible is saying, don't be ignorant. So what should you not be ignorant about? Note this verse too. You know when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. What the Bible is saying is once upon a time, we have a life that is not worshiping God. We were worshiping idols. If you look at your life, all of us today, whether you like it or not, before coming to Christ, you are not worshiping God. God is not your priority. Your priority is yourself. Yes or no? Because you are not worshiping the true God. We are idol worshipers. The only difference is this. Your idols today may not be made of stone. It may not be made of gold. But it can be something in your heart. So that's what Paul is saying. Once upon a time, you were led astray. You were led astray to the mute idols. However you were led. But then something happened. You met Jesus. Let's read together. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's now saying the day that your life was transformed to make it significant, to make it significant, is the day you encounter Jesus. When you have the Holy Spirit, something happens. What happens? You are able to recognize Jesus is Lord. He is not saying superficially, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? People today who are not even believers can mouth Jesus is Lord. Are you aware of that? So what does it mean? Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot really say Jesus is Lord. Well, let me share with you. In the book of Luke, well, let's start with Matthew. Matthew chapter tells us, what does it mean to say Jesus is Lord, all right? Matthew chapter 7 tells us, everybody read, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Who alone can really make you submit to the Lordship of Jesus? The Holy Spirit. On my own, I will never submit to the Lordship of Jesus. I will be a counterfeit believer. Only the Holy Spirit can change my heart. That's why the Bible says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to ask you a question that only you can answer. Is Jesus your Lord? See, Jesus is not your Lord if you don't obey him. That's why Luke tells us, this is from the mouth of Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? God is talking to all of us today. You need his Holy Spirit to transform your heart so that you can recognize him as Lord. Not just in your mouth, in your life. You know, somebody shared this with me years ago. I want you to read this 
simple uh, quotation. The Christian life, everybody please read. The Christian life is not hard. It is impossible. The, it is not difficult. It is supernatural. Christianity is not what you do for God. It is what He does for you, in you, through you. Remember, that is Christianity. It is God coming to us in the person of the Holy Spirit, transforming your heart, transforming your desire. The problem is not God. It is us. We limit Him in our lives. That's why Ephesians chapter 5 tells us the importance of the Holy Spirit. If you want to make your life count, you got to learn what it means to abide. To abide means to depend on the Holy Spirit. Let's read this together. Therefore, everybody read. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. The Bible says, don't be a fool. Life is short. Making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Ladies and gentlemen, sooner or later, I will no longer be on this planet Earth. Sooner or later, you won't be here anymore. It's a question of time. How will you live your life? Tell your neighbor, make your life count. Tell your neighbor. How do you make it count? You know how you make it count? Let's read. Do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Huh. How will you know the will of God? He tells you. Do not get drunk with wine. That is dissipation. Dissipation means you are going to waste your energy, waste your life. But be filled with the Spirit. The word filled means to be controlled. So what does it mean to abide? It means to be controlled by the Spirit of God. So principle number one, if you want to make your life count, what must you do? Abide. Submit. Be dependent on the Holy Spirit. What do I mean? What the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Why you need the Holy Spirit? You will receive, everybody read, you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome temptation. I need the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom. I need the Holy Spirit to live a life that's pleasing to God. Notice, the Bible tells us the importance of the Holy Spirit in John 15, verses 4 and 5. Do you mind reading John 15, verse 4 and 5? This is a command. Abide, everybody read, abide in me. It's a command. What does it mean to abide? As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So what is the picture of the branch and the vine? It's a picture of intimacy, a picture of relationship. You cannot bear fruit if you don't get sustenance from the main vine. Right? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides, he who depends upon me, intimate with me, dependent upon me, and I in him, he, everybody read, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do 
You can do what? Something? You can do nothing. So, principle number one, if you want to make your life count, say, say the word abide. Abide means to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Question, do you have the Holy Spirit? Ah, who is the Holy Spirit? Let's look at Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Everybody read this together. However, you are not in the flesh, controlled by the flesh, but in the Spirit. Capital S, Holy Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. According to this verse, who is a Christian? According to that verse, who is a Christian? Good morning. According to this verse, who is a real Christian? If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ. It does not say, if anyone does not go to CCF, if anyone does not belong to this religion, no, no. If you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, you are a child of God. So let me ask you, how many of you have the Holy Spirit in your heart? Raise your hand. You know, my question to you is this. Do you have the Holy Spirit? You did not raise your hand? Are you part of the choir? Alright, one more time. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. Okay, I thought your hands was... People don't realize God gave me an amazing eyes, amazing eyes to see what you guys are up to, okay? Now, don't raise your hand because I'm watching you. You know why? God knows your heart. Yes or no? So, one more time, sincerely, don't raise your hand anymore. Do you have the Spirit of Christ in you? If your answer is yes, my next question, what's the evidence? You see? Do you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is a transformed life. A new desire to study the Bible. A new desire to worship God. A desire to submit to the Lord. That comes from the inside. It is never imposed. And that's why I tell parents, when you are doing parenting, you look at the heart of your children, not just their behavior. The behavior is a byproduct. If people don't like to attend small group, if people don't like to attend worship, you look at the heart. Don't make it legalistic. You need to come. No, no. You know why I come on Sunday? I come because I love to worship the Lord. You don't have to force me to come. I will come. That's Christianity. So how do you make your life count? Number one. Louder. Abide. Meaning, you be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that is something that I pray all of us will be controlled by the Holy Spirit? You know why? That is how the world will see 
the reality of Christ. Do you know in Daniel chapter 5? Let's read. What was Daniel known for? People can see the Holy Spirit in his life. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, illumination, insight, wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, appointed him chief of the magicians. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, insight, was found in this Daniel. The unbelievers saw the spirit of God in the life of Daniel, but they do not know how to call it, okay? They just say spirit of the gods. But actually, it is the Holy Spirit in the life of Daniel. My question to you is this. If the pagans could see how Daniel was so exceptional because of the Holy Spirit in his life. He was a problem solver. His work was beyond reproach. Wow. My question to you is this. Will people see Christ in your life? At home, will your family members see Christ in your life? In the office, how do you work? Will people see Christ in you? You see, my friend, Christianity is simple and basic. My prayer is when God looks at you, when your friends look at you, when your children look at you, they will see the Spirit of God in the way you work, in the way you manage, in the way you do things at home and in the office. Number two, Appropriate. Once you learn to depend on the Holy Spirit, listen to me. It is one thing to have God giving you something. It's another thing for you to enjoy the benefit. Let me repeat. It's one thing to have God giving you His resources. But it's another thing for you to know. It's another thing for you to avail of it. For example, in the early church, what were they known for? In Acts chapter 13, what were they known for? Everybody read. The disciples were continually filled with joy, the Holy Spirit. You see, the early Christians were noted for being joyful. How can you show that you have the Holy Spirit? You have to appropriate God's power. It is not during good times. When you are promoted, you are very happy. That is normal. What is exceptional is when you are under stress. When there is sickness in the family. When there is serious problem. And the way you respond is different. So ladies and gentlemen, people can see Christ in you. During hard times, during difficult times, not during good times. During good times, everybody's happy. But during bad times, who is happy, who is not happy, the inside, the Holy Spirit, will not show. And that's why you need to appropriate. I'm reminded of the story of a man 
who saved his money to travel from Europe, from London to New York. Now, you have to understand, years ago, there's no airplane. It's only by boat. And it will take probably 10 days to sail from London to New York. So this guy, saved his money, was so happy, he boarded the, the boat. Now, there was a distinguished gentleman, and he's sensitive to people. He noticed this guy does not eat in the dining room. So when he walks around the boat, he will see this guy eating, you know, bread, uh, crackers. I don't know if it's sky flakes or not, but at that time they have no sky flakes, okay? So the guy asked him, sir, why are you not eating with us? You know what this man said? I don't have the money. So the gentleman said, do you have a ticket? Can I see your ticket? He said, the moment you got a ticket, food is included. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. But this guy was eating stale bread. Why? He does not know. And because he does not know, he does not know how to appropriate the provisions. There are many Christians today, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, but you don't know how to appropriate. So you are joining the Christian life like a spiritual pauper. You are spiritually poor. There is no joy. Why? Because you are living the Christian life in your own power. You are ignorant of what God wants you to experience. And that's why you need to understand theology. God not just save you. He save you that you may live meaningful, purposeful, joyful life. It is not meant for you to be happy the day you die. God wants you to live an amazing life now. It does not mean there's no problem, but it's a life of purpose, meaning. Make your life count. Principle number one, abide, depend on Him. Principle number two, appropriate by faith. And that is what I want you to see how God has given us His gift. Let's read together. He emphasizes the following. There are varieties of gifts. The emphasis is varieties. Many kinds of gifts. That's where you have the word charismata. That's where you have the word charismatics. The emphasis is on the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the same Spirit. Many varieties of ministries. You see, the gift of God determines the ministries He will give you. But the same Lord. Varieties of effects. The outcome of your ministry. Many, many results. However, you have the same God who works all things in all person. Do you notice the Trinity? The Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, and God. They are all at work in providing for you gifts. What's the purpose of the gift? Power, abilities to live the Christian life in service. And that's why it says, each, everybody read this. Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit 
for the common good. And that's why alignment is important. You must not just appropriate, you have to align God's purpose for your life. Let us read other verses, right? But before I read the other verses, let me give you a simple definition of the, the gift. What do you mean by gift? Charismata. Spiritual gifts, everybody read, are special God-given abilities for service to build up the body of Christ. It's given by God. Freely. The definition includes the source of the gift. Holy Spirit. The meaning of the gifts. Special abilities. All of you have special abilities. Purpose is to serve Him. So He now gives examples of the gifts. What are the examples of the gift? Let's read. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Notice the emphasis. Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge. Emphasis, same Spirit. To another, faith. Same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. One Spirit. These are various gifts. Wow. What else? Before I expand and explain, let me read first the verses. Continue reading. To another, effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. By the way, prophecy here is not about always talking about the future. It is the message of God that He wants you to have. That is explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So you come, chapter 14. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. This is the elephant in the room. The gift of tongues. We will expand that some more in chapter 14. In the meantime, I want you to know, these are all the gifts. But are these complete lists? No. Why, what do I mean? One and the same spirit works. Everybody read this. This is very important for you to know. One and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. In short, everybody has a gift. Are you aware of that? How many of you are fully aware of God's gift to you? You know your special gift. Raise your hand. Don't be shy. So you know God's gift. You know your abilities. I am so glad. You are more spiritual than last night, okay? Last night, the audience are not so familiar with their gift. But before the session is over, I'm going to help you understand the gift. In the meantime, I want you to notice something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, notice about this gift. This gift is now offices. From gift abilities, they become offices. Example, God has appointed in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. Now, everybody, the emphasis is this. All kinds of gifts, all are not apostles. The emphasis, we 
all do not have the same gift. All, everybody read, all are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? Grammatically, the emphasis is, of course not. Of course not. Because there are people who want to insist that you must have this gift, you must have this gift. No, no. The Bible says all of us have different gifts. Don't be proud. At the same time, don't compare. Don't judge. Don't compete. The gifts are given to complement, not to compete. Let's read the next verse. All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? So what's the obvious answer? Of course not. So the Bible is very clear. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. I want you to come next week. We'll discuss the greater gifts or next next week. In the meantime, I want you to notice how this idea of gifts is mentioned in the Bible. In the entire New Testament, you have four passages that talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about wisdom, knowledge. The difference is knowledge is one thing. Wisdom is application of knowledge. It is knowing what God wants you to do in a certain situation. Faith. This is not saving faith. It's a special gift. One of the men that I respected most, but I've never met him, but I studied his life, is Walt Disney. Many people do not know Walt Disney was a believer. He was a committed follower of Jesus. God gave him a dream. Disney World. Disneyland. Faith means when God gives you something, you believe that God is able to accomplish it. Those are what I call the gift of faith. There are many of you with the gift of faith. When CCF was about to build this building, there were people who were saying, impossible, you don't have the money. But I praise God for many elders. They believe if God wants us to build something, he will provide. Did God provide for us? My friend, praise God. <laughs> Miracles, healings, prophecy, discernment, helps, administration, thanks, all of this can be expanded. I want you to attend GLC class. We have classes just devoted regarding the Holy Spirit. You will learn this more. Philippians, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about apostles, prophets, evangelism, evangelists, pastors, teachers, Romans, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy. First Peter chapter 4 talks about speaking, serving. What's my point? The whole point is this. The Bible is not giving you a complete exhaustive list. It's just sample of the gift of the Holy Spirit. But one thing is very important. You must know the purpose. The purpose of God giving you abilities is not for you to indulge in yourself. It's not for you to glory in yourself. It is to bring glory to God by serving one another. That is the meaning of alignment. God gave us gift for the purpose of serving one another. You want to make your life count? Don't just live for yourself. Live for others. So, here is the elephant in the room that I want you to see. But before I show you the elephant, let me tell you, 
the gift of the Holy Spirit is a stewardship issue. What do I mean? First Peter chapter 4. Everybody read. Each one has received a special gift. All of you have a special gift. Each one. What must you do? Employ it in serving one another. You are to use it. You got to be aligned. God gave us gift to serve one another as good stewards. So if you are not using your God-given gifts, you are neglecting what God has given you. And that, my friend, is wrong. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. It is always in the context of a local body, a church, helping one another. That's why Peter is very clear. Whoever speaks, you speak as one who is speaking the utterance of God. Whoever serves, you must serve as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. In other words, everything you do is empowered by God. So that all things God may be glorified through Jesus. The whole purpose of the gift is to bring glory to God and to build up one another. Now, do you realize the Old Testament talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit also? Let me give you an example. Exodus chapter 31. God is saying, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Referring to Olesabel and Ohaliah. In wisdom, understanding, knowledge, in all kinds of craftsmanship. In other words, even manual labor. Even carpentry work. Wow. God is involved in giving you abilities. And that's what the Bible is saying. Let's read together. Behold, I myself have appointed with him Ohalayam. In the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, God has given you special skills. This is different from natural abilities. Natural abilities is from God. But once you come to Christ, He will expand your gift. It can be expanding the natural abilities or it can be other gifts. But everything is given by the Holy Spirit for you to serve. Now, what is the elephant in the room? The elephant in the room is simply this. Look at this chart. The gift of tongues, gift of healings. On one extreme, people are saying, the gift of tongues, everything has ceased. You have sincere believers. They believe it has stopped. Even though, I will tell you <clears throat> our position from history and from scripture. Another extreme, you need to speak in tongues. Because if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. These are all wrong. Because the Bible is very clear. We all don't have the same gift. So why do we impose on others the gift that we want them to have? Are you clear? So no jealousy, no envy. What's the balance? You will learn this in chapter 14. Do not prohibit people from speaking in tongues. Do it orderly. 
with interpreter. If there's no interpreter, the Bible says, keep quiet. And the purpose of the gift is not for show. It is not to impress people. It is to build others. So, question. I've learned that there are amazing gifts that God has given us, and you and I should not put God in a box. What do I mean? A few months ago, I was asked by a group of Christians who came to the Philippines to help CCF, to work with CCF, to expand God's kingdom. Now, the leader told me, Peter, I'd like you to meet one of our members. She has this amazing gift. This girl will dream. And then in the morning, she will write down her dream and possible meaning. And then God will help her use that dream, the meaning of the dream. Now, you, you must know, my wife and I, we are pretty conservative when it comes to the gifts. But what shocked me was when we met this lady, she began telling us her dream. I have never met her. She has never met me. But she knew my name. She said God told her in the dream she will meet a man called Peter. So I said, what else did God tell you? She said, God told me about your life. Now when she was telling me about my life, this is something that the public will not know. Because it's my private life. My wife knows it. I know it. It's about my past. Our business past. And what happened? My wife was shocked. My wife looked at me. My wife said, Now, this girl is very humble. She said, I'm just telling you, these are my dreams, and this is what God is telling me. I don't know if it means anything to you. And then my wife said, You are just describing his past life. But then what's more amazing, this girl said, On the day I was supposed to come to the Philippines, I was sick. So she was flying from Mongolia. She has to take a rest in Korea. Now, this girl is a nuclear engineer. This girl is designing spacecraft. So this girl is not exactly a typical person that you think uh, is dreaming or what, but she's a real woman of God, holy, pure, and she loves the Lord. So she's here as a volunteer of the missionary team. She said God gave her a dream that she will visit the city of angels. Now, Peter, does that mean anything to you? City of angels. And then, the night before she was to fly to the Philippines, the day she was supposed to fly, the leader of the group changed their mind. They will not go to Davao anymore to visit CCF in Davao, but they will go to the PCEC meeting where I was the chairman. And the PCEC meeting was meeting in Quest Hotel at Clark. So when this girl Googled to change her flight to Quest Hotel, Clark, guess where is Clark located? Angeles. Angeles. Angeles is the city of angels. Now you might think, ah, chamba yan, chamba. No, no, no. There are many more stories, but what hit me was she said, God told her that through CCF, 
the zeal for evangelism, the zeal for discipleship will go all over the world. You know, when I heard that, I said, wow. You see, God is using, she's using her gift to encourage us, to encourage CCF, to keep on doing what we are doing. And then she talked about ministering, not just to the poor. She said, God has called us to minister to the rich. You know, most people don't know this. Now, two weeks ago, my wife and I went to Washington, D.C. to meet up with her, with my daughter. She wanted to meet my daughter. So I asked her, is there any more dream about me? Now, this is amazing. She said, well, she said many things. But one thing I decided not to share anymore. I shared that last night, but today I won't share that story. I'll share another story. Don't worry. (laughs) Because it is really amazing. This girl, when I told her, why don't you pray for us? While she was praying for my daughter, Joy, the Lord impressed upon her mind. Remember, that's her gift, right? After praying for her, she said, Joy, does the word endometrosis mean anything to you? Joy, does the word baby, lots of blood, mean anything to you? You know what she was doing? She was describing what happened to my daughter. You see, my daughter had endometrosis that most people don't know. But she knew. I have learned not to put God in a box. You need to learn that God works in mysterious ways. One of my friends, he's a tobacco farmer in South Africa. His business is growing tobacco. He met Jesus on his own, reading the New Testament. And he said, hmm, I should stop tobacco business. As he read the Bible, he read about Jesus healing the sick. So he decided, I will copy Jesus. So, so this guy is a white African. So his workers are all blacks. So he gathered them. I will teach you the Bible. And then at the end, he decided to pray. If you are sick, you come. I'm going to pray for you. Okay, I mean, this guy is a new Christian. And then he would pray for the sick. But then one day they brought somebody with a wheelchair. Now he would pray for people who have fever, who have cold. But with a wheelchair he will not pray. Because he does not know what will happen if he pray for the guy with a wheelchair. You know what happened? That guy with a wheelchair will not move. He kept bugging him. Pray for me, pray for me. So finally he prayed for the wheelchair. In his mind, nothing will happen. Okay, he prayed for him. Then he started praying for the others. And then suddenly there was a commotion. You know why there was a commotion? Because that guy on the wheelchair suddenly stood up and started jumping around. Wow, he said, this is amazing. Now, God began to use him to evangelize the Africans. And I discovered something. The gift of the Holy Spirit is manifested based on his time agenda. And it happens to me, because I'm with a group of pastors, 
in Africa, in Muslim countries, you see a lot of miracles happening. This guy was praying and somebody came with no eyes. He said, I cannot pray for this guy. There's no eyeball. I mean, how can you pray for somebody no eyeball? He was blind. But you know, he has no choice. He prayed. Would you believe it? After praying, the guy suddenly could see. Is God amazing? Yes or no? So God heals. Now you need to learn one thing. My friend from South Africa, maybe two years ago, three years ago, he had cancer. He could not heal his own cancer. He died. My whole point is this. The gift of healing is the sovereignty of God. He wants you to heal somebody, he can do it. But if he does not want you to heal somebody, he, that's fine. Is God sovereign? Yes or not? So as we close, I'd like you to notice something. Don't put God in a box. But God is real. So what must we do? When we say align, the analogy is the human body. What do I mean by human body? He talks about the purpose of the gift. Let's read. First Corinthians chapter 12. One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Even as the body is one, notice the body is one, and yet has many members. That's the analogy now. You must know your purpose. All the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. The analogy is the church is compared to a human body. The head is Christ and we are the parts of the body. Look at the next verse. He talks about the next verse. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. The day you come to Christ, the Bible tells us God will incorporate you into the spiritual body. You are now part of the body of Christ. That's the meaning of this idea. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, you are now part of the body of Jesus. The body is not one member, but many. The foot says, because I am not a hand, I will not be part of the body. Is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, is it not for this reason any the less part of the body. In other words, you cannot pick and choose. Wherever God has placed you, you are part of the body. Don't look down on others. At the same time, don't be jealous of others. Let's read the next verse. The who, if the whole body were an eye, you know, you want to copy, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Everybody read now. God has placed the members, each one of them, each one of you, in the body as he desired. If they were all one members, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Are you clear? In other words, God has given us different gifts. The comparison now is you are part of the body of Christ. Each part is needed. We don't have the same function. Look at the next verse. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You know what this tells me? Each one is important. Can you tell your neighbor, you are important. 
Learn to appreciate each other. All of you are important in God's kingdom. All of you have a vital role to play. You may think you are a nobody. God says no. You are needed. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Continue reading. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on those we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body to give more abundant honor to that members which lack. In other words, don't feel sad or sorry that you cannot be here every Sunday to speak. Whatever you are doing, God is saying you are important. Look at the next verse. Now this is most important. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. In other words, the purpose of God's gift for you and for me is to bring unity. In the midst of diversity, God is saying you must have unity. And unity is only possible if we understand God is the head, Jesus is the head, we are here to help each other. Do you understand? Christians, it is the only army in the world that shoot each other. Do you know what the unbelievers think of us? We're always fighting. We're always criticizing each other. We don't understand the heart of God. The heart of God is we're all different, but we're all needed. I have discovered Lutherans, Baptists, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Methodists, Anglicans. You have many genuine believers. Yes or no? So we must learn to love one another. We can never agree on everything, but on the essentials. Who is Jesus? How do we go to heaven? This should bring us unity to build up the body of Christ, not to focus on attacking each other. It brings shame. That's why the Bible says, if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we are saddened when we hear other Christian leaders fall into sin. When other Christians suffer, my wife and I cry. Because the church of God is not just churches in the Philippines. It's the worldwide body of Christ. One body. But we are all needed to fulfill God's mission. Let's read the next verse. Okay, is this the end? You are Christ's body, individually members. So, how do you know your gift? Well, this is something that I hope you'll understand. Somebody wrote a poem. And this poem, I hope, will speak to you. Let's read this together. He has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way. He has no voice but our voice to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to lead them to his side. Do you know that you are the body of Christ? Can you turn to your neighbor? Tell your neighbor, you are the body of Christ. Here is the supreme glory of Christians. 
We are His representative. We are the body of Christ on earth. How do you know your gift? Would you like to know your gift? Let me give you this picture. Let's say somebody is sick. You are part of a small group. Okay? A D group member is sick. This guy has the gift of what? Encouragement. You know what he will say? You will get well soon. This person has a gift of mercy. You must feel so bad. Let me stay with you. Well, this guy, this is the favorite of everybody. Do you have enough money to pay the bill? That's his gift. Generosity. We all have different gifts. I praise God. This is something you don't like to visit you, this person. What is his gift? Teaching. Oh, what is God teaching you today? Hmm? Why are you sick? So, when you visit me, I would rather not have this person. But that's okay. We all need each other. The gift of administration. Is somebody taking care of your house? Who will bring your children to school? Do you now notice something? All of us are built differently. You have your burden. You have your concern. The problem is this. When you expect everybody to be like you. That's a problem. You begin to be judgmental. You begin to say, why are they not thinking of this? Excuse me, the reason why they are not thinking of this problem is because you are thinking of that problem. And it is your job to do something about it. You see what I'm saying? So how do you know your gift? Be part of a small group. See needs. When you see a need, you volunteer. And then you see the feedback. You see the impact. You see your heart passion. What is God telling you to do? Everybody, do you see the needs around you? Yes or no? Yes or no? Okay, what are you doing about it? In CCF we have many ministries. But for you to understand how this is in operation, I'd like you to hear the testimony of our members, okay? I grew up in a Christian household where a deep sense of serving God was instilled in me from a very young age. I was actively involved in ministries like dance, children, and youth ministry. However, all those things were put on hold when I started working in one of the top fast food chains in the country. My focus shifted early to my, entirely to my career and work became an idol for me. I was determined to climb the corporate ladder with the dream of becoming a marketing head by the age of 30. All my time, energy, and talent were dedicated to my job, causing me to lose sight of my faith and neglect my service to God. On the year when I expected a promotion to be brand manager, I was devastated to find out that the position was given to one of my closest friends. Heartbroken, I confronted God, questioning why he had led me there if I wasn't going to be promoted. In my pain, I realized my sin of pride and idolatry. I realized that I had nowhere to go but back into the, into the arms of God. By his grace, I returned to him in repentance, dedicating my time and skills to his service. With a renewed spirit, I devoted my time and talent to the Lord by serving in Big Singles Ministry as part of their marketing team, leading my discipleship group, 
And while working still in the same company, he has led me to open a Bible study group in the office. I was so content in serving the Lord that all my ambitions have banished away and was replaced by God's mission. Eventually, God blessed me with the promotion I desired, making me the brand manager of the company's flagship product. While I am truly grateful for this blessing, my heart was longing to serve God in His church in full-time capacity. I kept praying to the Lord, and if indeed it is His will, He will open an opportunity for me to apply here in CCF. Six months only into my newly promoted position, and just a few days before my 30th birthday, God called me to lead CCF's communication department. I realized that God had truly fulfilled my dream, but this time it was for His kingdom's purpose and the salvation of souls. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit in March 2020, I, together with the whole communications team, were tasked to completely transition the church online. And during that period, God further affirmed my purpose within His church. I came to understand that the skills I acquired during my corporate career would now serve His kingdom. By my faith, But my faith was tested when my mom exhibited COVID symptoms. We fought the virus for 21 days. Um, On April 11, 2020, my mom passed away. Yet throughout those challenging, challenging times, I felt God's presence, protection, and love all through the support of my CCF family. While her passing was very painful, I felt an overwhelmingly overwhelming peace and joy in my heart, knowing that the Lord is victorious over death. I experienced the very words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. And in my weariness and amidst my difficult situation, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I took a five-day bereavement leave to settle everything and immediately went back to serving God. Even though I was grieving, instead of being downcast, I was full of energy, zeal, and vigor. Not because I was escaping pain, but because I was full of gratitude to the Lord, knowing that it was only Him who carried me through during the toughest times, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. I mean, how can you not serve God, whose providence in all aspects of our lives is sufficient? How can you not give your undivided devotion to the master who is always good and who causes all things to work together for for good to those who love him? By God's grace, um, this November, I will be serving CCF for four years already and working alongside passionate and creative individuals, I have witnessed God's work in reaching millions of people through our CCF social media platforms. The fulfillment I find in this purpose-driven life surpasses any pursuit of personal ambition or dreams. I am motivated by the gospel, God's goodness, and His grace. In the words of my life verse, Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is a No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
I am Venice, once driven by selfish ambition, now living a purposeful life as a devoted servant of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Praise God, praise God. You know, we really appreciate Venice for her commitment, but you notice, to know God's gift for your life, you must make sure you align to His purpose. God's purpose is for us to serve one another, to expand His kingdom, meaning what can you do to increase the number of people knowing Jesus? What can you do to help them grow? That's the only time you will really make your life count. So, Nikki is her D-group leader. If you don't mind, let's all raise our hands. Okay, let's pray for her. Lord God, I thank you for Venice, for what you have done in her life, through her life, and for her willingness to surrender everything to you and for using her mightily at this point in her life. And thank you for Nikki. I pray for Nikki, her children, and her husband, Omar. I just pray that you will use this family to continue discipling others. And now I commit to you, Venice, her future, her ministry, that you will even expand it further. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless. As we finish, I'd like you to notice something. The greatest impact you can make for Jesus is to connect people to Jesus. The greatest impact you can do in your life, if you ask me, is the opposite of the greatest failure. Do you know what is the greatest failure? When you use God's gift to accomplish your selfish reasons. The greatest tragedy is when you live for yourself but not for God. So as we close, let me ask you, how do you know your gift? To know your gift, you grow. You have a mindset of a servant. Be part of a small group. Learn to see needs. Look at your heart. What burdens you? What excites you? You see a need, you volunteer. And then you wait for feedback. The final test. You look at the people over you. What do they say about you? You know all D-group leaders, raise your hands please, all D-group leaders. All D-group leaders, it is one of your responsibility to help your members discover their gift. I am very observant of people. I look at their passion, I look at what they do. And I help create ministry opportunities. I provide opportunities for people to serve. But the only way you will know your gift, listen to me. Number one, abide. Be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And number two, you need to understand the gift. You got to appropriate God's gift. All of you have a gift. Nothing is too useless. Nothing is too great. Everything is from God. And lastly, you got to align. Align with His purpose. And ask God every day, Lord, how can I accomplish your purpose in my life? Ladies and gentlemen, years ago, there was a businessman by the name of... Let me make sure I don't forget his name. His name is Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was a simple businessman 
But he also volunteered in the church to be a Sunday school teacher. Not knowing what will happen to one of his students. And not knowing what will happen to the students of the student. Edward Kimball was faithful. Do you know the impact of his life? He was able to lead somebody to Christ by the name of Moody. And down the chain, Moody led others to Christ. And eventually, somebody led Billy Graham to Christ through the chain of lives that were impacted by Edward Kimball. Billy Graham today has reached over 2 billion people. You know what hit, what hit me? On Judgment Day, God will never compare Edward Kimball to Billy Graham. God will simply ask Edward Kimball, have you been faithful? And God will say, you have been faithful. Have you been faithful? Let's bow our heads and pray. Friends, I hope God is speaking to you today that you must use your gift. But you have a problem today. You say, Peter, how can I use my gift? I don't even know if the Holy Spirit is in my heart. I've never surrendered my heart to Jesus. How can you make a difference if you have not allowed Christ to impact your life? So to those of you who would like to begin the first step, you want Christ to abide in you, you want to abide in Christ, Will you raise your hands? Praise God. Anybody else? Raise your hands higher. I want to pray for you. You have never been sure that you are abiding in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. Raise your hands higher. You want to be sure today that Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Raise your hands higher. I want to pray for you. All right. Those hands raised up. You pray this prayer with me. Keep your hands up. Lord Jesus... Today, I surrender my life to you. Instead of living for myself, I now ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Spirit of the living God, help me to surrender my all. Help me to be obedient to you. And only you can change me. So Jesus... Today, I invite you, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Spirit of the living God, fill me with your presence. If that is your prayer, and you pray that prayer right now, I want you to stand up and pray for you. Those of you who pray that prayer right now with your hands raised up, you stand up. I want to pray for you right now. You may ask, why do I ask people to stand up when they pray that prayer? I want you to remember today. This day, you stood up, you gave your life to Jesus, and Jesus knows it. And this day will be an amazing day that will forever change your heart. Lord Jesus, I pray for those people who are standing, how they've given their lives to you. Make it count. Lord Jesus, make their lives count for you. Strengthen them. Empower them. And above all, help them know that you are with them. You are not against them. Lord Jesus, I pray for everybody that you want all of us to live a meaningful, purposeful life. 
I now surrender to you. Everybody, those who are watching us in the internet, those who are worshiping with us all over the Philippines, in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. CCF family, welcome to Sunday Fast Track, where you ask real-life questions and we give you biblical truths. My name is Michelle Obligacion from Exalt Ministry, and we're here today with our speaker, Pastor Peter Tanchi, to answer some of your questions. Pastor Peter, we are in the second half of our study of the Book of Corinthians, now with the series title, Make Your Life Count, Live to Make a Difference. So Pastor Peter, why is it so important that we live to make a difference? And what can we expect as we round up the latter half of our study on 1 Corinthians? The reality is everybody wants to make a difference. Young people today, you'll notice something. They pursue things that will make the world better in their mind. Climate change, social media when it comes to equity, equality. Why are they doing that? Because in their mind, they want to make a difference. The only question is, they don't know how. They don't know how to make real difference. You see, the world will never become better until the hearts of men are changed. Because the Bible tells us we have a problem. It's called sin. And this world is going to be a mess. And it will continue to be a mess until Christ has entered the hearts of people. And that's why it is important. You must know how to make a difference and to live differently so that people will listen to our voice. Thank you, Pastor Peter, for answering our questions. But before we go, we would like to invite all the youth and young at heart out there who would like to disciple the next generation to the MOVE 2023 Youth Discipleship Conference entitled Grounded, happening this October 30 to November 1. To register, visit moveydc.org now. See you there. And that's it for our Sunday Fast Track. God bless you, everyone.